James 1, 2. Consider it great joy whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are committed to our completeness. Help us to trust you as you do your work. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Today's a follow-up from our message on Sunday about um, overcoming uh, troubles, uh, passing the tests of troubles. Um, just kind of want to make an application that I didn't have time for yesterday. Uh, I thought it was interesting. The uh, a sociologist by the name of Christian Smith led a team of researchers with the National Study of Youth and Religion who assessed the religious beliefs of average American teenager. After interviewing more than 3,000, they identified five beliefs that a typical teenager in, in the United States has. Number one, God exists. A God exists who creates order uh, in the worlds and watches over human life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and most other world religions. Number three, the central goal of life, this is what the average American teenager believes, the central goal in life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Two goals, be happy, feel good about yourself. Number four, God doesn't need to be particularly involved in a person's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Now, obviously we see uh, trouble in that if we know the Bible, but that's the world that we live in. That's the way most Americans think today, not just American teenagers. God wants us to be happy, and it's true. God does want to be happy, us to be happy, but he wants so much more. The Bible tells us in James 1 and other places that God wants us to be complete. He wants us to be joyful because we are complete and mature in him. And so what does he do? James tells us he allows us to experience troubles. And the Bible is filled with examples like this. I was reading, think about reading the book of Acts recently, which is the history book of the church. The book of Acts tells the story about how God grows the church, but it's not a story of a day at the beach followed by another day at the beach. God wants the church to be happy, I suppose, but he doesn't bring about that happiness by giving them ease. Chapter one, Jesus leaves his disciples, leaves the 120 and says, now wait here in Jerusalem. Chapter two, the church begins, 3,000 are baptized, that's wonderful. Chapter three, Peter and John go and they heal somebody and immediately they're persecuted, immediately they're arrested, they're brought before um, the religious leaders, jailed for doing good to this man. The next thing you know, there are internal troubles in the church. The next thing you know, there are people that are lying to the Holy Spirit and God strikes them down dead. And there's mourning, there's sin that threatens the purity of the church. 
Peter then gets arrested another time for preaching the gospel. And then there are racial tensions or organizational tensions in the church by the sixth chapter when uh, some of the, uh, the widows are afraid that other uh, um, uh, widows are getting more attention and more care than they are. And, uh, and they recognize the need for that. And so verse 7 of chapter 6 says, so, um, they, they reorganize, says, but so the word of God spread and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. Here's the point that I want to make. Um, there's trouble and the church grows. There's trouble and the church grows. There's trouble and the church grows. That's the pattern. Satan attacks and God uses it to strengthen the church, to purify the church. That's just the first six chapters. In the seventh chapter, we have the first Christian martyr in Stephen, and the church gets spread throughout the Roman Empire. And again, the church grows. Out of these trials, God is maturing the church. He's doing what James tells us in James 1, 2. Consider it great joy whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. The struggle that I have is I can understand that theoretically, but when you're in the middle of the trial, it's hard to have the perspective of this is God up to something good. I can trust God in the middle of this difficulty. Um, it's easy when God is hard to see or God's love is severe and not gentle. It's easy to lose faith and to lose hope. That's why several years ago, we uh, developed what we saw as kind of the cycle of a greater dream, which uh, you can see posted in the, in the window. The greater dream begins with the dream. You know, we all have dreams. God wants to do immeasurably more than all he could ever ask or imagine through his power that is at work within us. We all have dreams for what we want life to be, expectations. And if they're godly dreams, then God wants to give us those dreams. But the first thing that happens is delay. Very rarely does God give you a dream, a hope, a desire, and immediately fulfill it. Usually there's delay that causes suffering. If that delay continues, it, it, it turns into discouragement and disillusionment. Classic example in the Old Testament of the Bible is Joseph. God gives Joseph a dream. Joseph, you're going to be leader someday. And so does it happen immediately? No, he's like 17 years old. He goes and he shares it with his dad. He goes and shares it with his brothers. And they're none too thrilled to hear Joseph share this dream about how they're going to bow down to him as a leader someday in the future. There's delay. That has to be a little bit discouraging. But then the delay continues and Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. That has to be disillusioning. That has to be extremely difficult. Joseph gets taken to Egypt. He's sold to um, uh, Potiphar, the chief executioner, essentially, for Pharaoh. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. And again, in Egypt, Joseph has to be wondering, God, what about this dream about you, uh, you know, me being a great leader someday? 
Potiphar's wife, when, when Joseph chooses to be pure, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of, uh, of, of attempting to rape her, and Joseph is thrown into jail. Delay, uh, discouragement, disillusionment, for most of us, that would lead to a point of doubt, a crisis of disbelief. Now, Joseph is rare in the Bible. Joseph is rare in history. It says he just continued to be faithful to God, and the Lord was with Joseph in all that he did. Joseph, in that moment where I'm sure he had some doubts, he chose to continue to believe, to continue to be faithful, trusting that God is using this trial to bring about that dream that he had given him in the first place. Now, often in that doubt phase, what people will do is they'll try, they'll bail out. They'll bail out either by quitting on God or they'll bail out by trying to help God out. God, this isn't working, so I, you know, the whole tithing thing isn't working, so I'm going to help you out and I'll reason why I don't need to tithe anymore. I'll help you out, Lord. Or, um, you know, God, I, I'm lonely, and I know you don't want me to be lonely, and so, God, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to live with somebody that I'm not married to, but I know you'll understand kind of thing. Uh, it's like Abraham and Sarah. They uh, have a delay in the son of promise being given to them. Sarah's not getting pregnant after 25, uh, 10 years, I guess it is. And, um, and so Abraham sleeps with Sarah's concubine, Sarah's... Um, Sarah's slave, essentially, and has a child through Sarah's slave, and that just causes more trouble. But what were they doing? Oh, God, we're going to try to help you out. They're trying to figure out how how to trust what we would call the arm of the flesh. Um, Joseph, on the other hand, just continues to be faithful, trusts that God is in control, that God is working here in the storm to bring about his dream, And at just the right time, Joseph is exalted to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. And probably the time when Egypt was one of its most powerful uh, seasons in history. Joseph had a dream of what God could do with his life. But God was using that process of a greater dream to hone Joseph's character to mature his disposition, to train him to be a leader so that by the time he was exalted uh, and and, and delivered from prison, he was ready to be the second most powerful man. And, and, And Pharaoh was able to entrust all of his administrative work to Joseph. And so it is with God in his greater dream. Consider it great joy whenever we experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and endurance must have its full effect, that's Joseph, so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. God has greater dreams for you and me. More than just happiness and comfort. God does want us to be happy. Boy, Joseph had to be happy when God delivered him from from um, prison and from slavery. And he's able to look back on those 13 years and to say, God was, was at work. God had his hand in this all the time. And if you're going through a difficult time right now in your marriage, 
and you're tempted to, to give up. If you're going through a difficult time right now in your personal life, in your work, if you're going through a personal time or a difficult time right now in feeling alone, if you're going through a personal difficult time right now in some area of suffering in your life, know that God is, has a dream for you and he's working on that greater dream, but he's gonna work through trials, various trials. You be faithful, you keep trusting, just do the next right thing and keep praying, keep your eyes on God and he'll deliver you. First Peter four, verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised when fiery trial, fire ordeal come upon you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. God is committed to your great joy. He's gonna reveal his glory through you. Are you struggling? Are you troubled? The Bible tells us in Hebrews, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons and daughters. What son or daughter is there that a father doesn't discipline? Furthermore, we have human fathers that discipline us and respect, we respect them for it. Shouldn't we even more submit to the father of our spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time based on what seems good to them, but he, he God, does it for our benefit so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Going through a time of trouble, don't lose hope. God is at work bringing about his greater dream in you and even his greater joy if you don't give up. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are working for what is best for us. Although we would like what's easy, we know you love us too much to spoil us with ease and sin and weakness. God, make us your people for your glory so that when we see you face to face one day, we know we will look at you and say, praise the Lord. It was worth it all. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Maybe you have a friend who needs some encouragement today. And if you found this encouraging, let me ask you to share it with them.